It's an evening of old-time radio. Jane Stewart as the six-shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. Coleman. America's leader in modern automatic home heating equipment and the National Broadcasting Company present Jane Stewart as the Six Shooter, a transcribed series of dramas based on the life of Britt Ponson, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. Now, in just a moment, immediately following this important announcement, you'll hear Act One of The Six Shooter. Have you heard about the Joneses? They're going to Europe for six weeks. They'll start in England, then visit Holland, Belgium, France, and Italy. It'll be a wonderful trip, a lifelong dream come true. And someday, it can be your turn to do just as they did. Put your money where it will earn $4 for every $3 you invest. In United States savings bonds. Start planning today. United States savings bonds can take you to Europe, too. Now... Act One of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart. But the McAdams boys had promised me a tent or whatever the herd brought, so I signed on for the drive. And it looked like I was going to earn the money, too. There'd been a cloud burst the second night out. It sounded like we might be heading into some more bad weather. The sky was all black and purple, and the wind began blowing up little balloons of dust. Thunder made the steers restless. They still remember that first storm. They didn't like the idea of going through another one. All right, come on, Come on, cattle. Fight it up. Fight it up. I can see the rain now. It hadn't hit us yet. It's still a couple of miles ahead, but I can see it real plain. Streaking down across the sky like little silver lines on a great blackboard. In the canyon where we were, the sun was still shining. It gave me a sort of funny feeling. Rain and sunshine all at once. Sort of like being in two places at the same time. Right, McAdams, he came pounding up from behind and rained up alongside of me and Scar. Oh, boy. What do you think, Britt? Well, if that wind don't change, we'll be getting wet inside of 15 minutes. Don't look like it'll change. No, pray not. And I guess we might as well keep on going. It'll be easier to handle if we're out of this canyon when the storm hits. Yeah. I'll ride up and tell more. Okay. Uh, hey! Yes? Get the light out. Keep moving. Get the light. Use that tell you stop Okay, okay. Normal speed him up, Rick. I'm going back and see if there ain't no stragglers. Uh, want me to give Norm a hand? No, no, I can handle it himself. It's about time he learned how. All right, you're the boss. Yeah. Just uh, keep an eye on him, Rick. 
Sure, sure. <laughs> that lightning had hit a pine tree about 50 yards up the side of the canyon. And when it toppled over, it started a couple of boulders rolling down the side of the ravine toward us. That was all the cattle needed to set them off. One of the longhorns took a look at the rock and let out a ball that told the other animals to get out of his way. Hey, stop him, Norn! Stop him before they stand circled around and galloped over toward his brother. But Norm wasn't waiting for him. No, no. I saw him head up the slope of the canyon, and it looked to me like he didn't intend to stop anything. All he cared about was getting out of the way. So I dug my heels in the scarred flank and rode right into the middle of the herd. But I could split him in half, only part of him was tear loose, even in a stampede. Right was in front of the herd now. Ah. Ah, the lead steer turned off. A couple of more shots, and the rest of the There we are. I knew there wasn't going to be any stampede. Not now, anyway. Rife had stopped him just in time. Ah, it's nice going, Rife. Somebody had to do it. Yeah. What happened to you? Oh, I stole it. Almost threw me. Yeah? Guess you were scared. The horse? That's what I said. Yeah. Well, here comes the rain. Ah, it looks like there's the tail end of it, though. It probably would have been a shower. We better keep moving anyhow. You take over up here, Britt. Normal riding back with me. Sure. Your horse all right now? I guess so. Okay, let's go. About half an hour later, the rain let up. It was nearly sundown, and a green-yellow rainbow arched up over the hills to the east, and Rife decided to make camp for the night. Neither of the McAdams brothers said much during supper, and... Afterwards, Norm sort of moved off a couple of yards from the campfire and started playing his mouth organ. What you staring at, right? Huh? You heard me. I don't know what you mean. You've been watching me ever since this afternoon when my horse bolted. You've been looking at me the way you used to look when I was a kid and done something you thought was wrong. We almost had a stampede today, Norm. Almost. You was riding front, man. You was the one to stop it. I suppose you've never been on a horse that ran away with you. You was always able to handle that Palomino before. Why do you have to keep nagging? I'm no cattle man. I didn't want to come on this drive in the first place. It's our herd. It's your herd. It was up to me would have sold the ranch years ago. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe we ought to sell out. We'll talk about it when we get back. Home. Hold up a minute. Thought it was my turn to look after cattle tonight. It's been a pretty hard day. You're probably tired. I'll wait for you. I'm no more tired than you are. Okay, no. I'll be over in that hill over yonder. Well, you're not serious, right, about selling out, are you? There's something in what Norm says. He's no cattleman. Well, maybe not, but you are. I can always get work somewhere. Carrie would probably be happier in town anyway. Carrie? My wife. Oh, I didn't know you were married, right? Yep, last winter. She's staying with her folks in Bradley while we take the cattle north. Is that so? Carrie's a fine girl, Britt, younger than I am, about Norm's age. Young and pretty. He'll like her, everybody does. Yeah, even Norm. First time in my life him and me have ever agreed on anything or anybody. Well, she told me not to take him with us on this drive, said he'd never make it. I should have listened to her. Now, he's pretty young, right? This is his first cattle drive. For all we know, his horse maybe did run away with him, you know. Norm did the running of his horse. He's no good, Britt. I guess it's my fault. I guess I bring him up wrong, but he's no good. Well, you're not his father. You're not to blame for how he turned out. I'm the only father he ever had. I 
Old man died when Norm was just a baby, and Ma just lasted a couple of years after that. Oh, I'm sorry. I was 13, practically full-grown when she passed on, but Norm was only four. She made me promise I'd look after him, see if he got his school and a chance to mount to something. Yeah. Fire's almost done. Oh, here, I'll fix it. I sent him to school, bought him books, but he wouldn't stick it out. It was too much like work. That's his real trouble, Brett. He's lazy, he's selfish. Expects everything to be handed to him all tied up in a fancy ribbon. Like this afternoon, he wasn't afraid of the cattle. He just couldn't be bothered stopping them. He didn't care that much. Well, maybe he's had it too easy, right? Maybe if the chips are down, he'd surprise you. Maybe. Well, I'm not making the same mistake again. Not with my own kid. With your own? What? Yeah. Carrie's expected. He might be here by now, for all I know. Well, well, congratulations. Thank right? you. <laughs> Uh, I'll buy you a cigar and have it. Yeah, all right. Oh, well, that's fine. Well, I, I guess maybe it's time to turn in, I think. I ain't very sleepy. I think I'll go up and, uh, well, I'll see if Norm's all right. <laughs> oh, doggone it. Brady is my kid brother. Sure. I know, right? Sure. Good night. <laughs> Good night. I banked the fire for the night and spread out my bedroll. The moon came up, full moon, kind of a moon ought to have after a rain. And I stretched out flat. Oh. Except for a couple of rocks right in the small of my back. Oh, yeah. I felt about as comfortable as man has right to feel. Come nosing around, because he don't trust me. So if he wants to stay up all night, that's his business. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, we got nothing but heroes on this drive. Uh, how do you figure that? Well, you're the six shooter, ain't you? Supposed to be the fastest man with a gun west of Kansas City. East of there, too, from the way folks tell it. No, you shouldn't believe everything you hear, Norm. I don't. I don't believe you any faster with a gun than the next man. Probably not. I don't believe you any faster than me. See that white rock over there? Well? Hmm. Well, mm. Go ahead. It's your turn. Well, I'm afraid I'm sort of out of practice of shooting at rocks. I used to do it, but I haven't tried it recently. What do you mean by that? I'm still a kid? I didn't mean anything. You're a good shot. Now, good night. Maybe you think it was an accident I hit it. I hit it. I can do it again. Yeah. See that? Oh. Good night. Oh. Now it was kind of damp and cold all night, but it didn't keep me from sleeping. And when I finally woke up, the sun was just starting to shove the sky away from over my head. A couple of seconds, I couldn't quite decide whether to open my eyes or not, but the smell of coffee made me make up my mind. Oh! Morning. Morning. Want some java? Ah, oh, thanks. Thanks. Where's Norm? Taking a bath. Taking a, a bath? Yeah. Uh, Found a water hole the other side of the hill. Oh. He'll be back any minute. Trust Norm to keep himself duded up. 
Wouldn't surprise me if he showed up wearing a clean shirt. Yeah. Why? Well, you can't blame the fellow for... Uh. Yeah, what's this? Hmm? Oh, that looks like a letter. Oh, oh, here, it's yours. Man? Well, it says love, Carrie. Isn't that your wife's name? Carrie? Yeah. Oh, here. Read it to me, Britt. What? Out loud. Read me what it says. Well, I, I, uh, I'm not interested in somebody else's mail, right? I especially love letters. Is that what it is? Well, you ought to know it's yours, isn't it? No. No, Britt, it ain't. Carrie ain't never written me. She knows I can't read. It's Norm that had the school and remember, Britt, I told you last night. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Read me what it says. Go on, read it. We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in a moment. First, a word from Coleman, America's leader in modern automatic home heating equipment. You'll be glad this winter you bought a Coleman heater this fall. Yes, as you sit back in your easy chair, snug and comfortable, you'll be glad you bought a Coleman heater. You'll enjoy floor-to-ceiling warmth in those rooms you could never heat before. Get your Coleman oil or gas heater now during Coleman's big bonus sale. Here's what you get. First bonus, a new low price. Yes, now you can get a dependable Coleman automatic heater at a new low price. Second bonus, a new low operating cost. Coleman saves you up to 25% on heating bills. Because Coleman gives you maximum heat from your fuel. Third bonus, a 32-piece set of Libby's Safe Edge glassware worth $14. It's free with your new Coleman heater. Get three big bonuses. Get your Coleman oil or gas heater now during Coleman's big bonus sale. This sale is for a limited time only. So see your Coleman dealer tomorrow. You'll find his name and address in your telephone directory. of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. The sun was warm in the back of my neck as I stood there facing life, holding that piece of lavender paper in my hand. I looked down at the letter and then up at Rife again. He was just standing there, waiting. Not moving. Not any part of him moving except the vein in his throat that jumped out a little throbs. I'm waiting, Britt. Now, it's not my letter, Rife, and I guess it isn't yours. It either. concerns me, don't it? It's from Carrie. It's from my wife. Well, that's between you and her. I want to know what it says, what she's been writing to Norma about. Go ahead, Britt. Read it to her. Oh, maybe you'd rather I told you what it says, Rife. It says, Carrie loves me. That she'll always love me, and it goes in a detail. You rotten little well, Then we are, right? You think that gun will stop me? I'll break your neck. You're walking right into it, right? Now put it away, Norm. You wanted a sample of my shooting last night. You put that gun away, and you'll get it. What am I supposed to do? Take you both on? This isn't my argument. It'll take three of us to get that herd to Abilene. I just want to be sure there'll be three of us to do it. There ain't going to be three, Britt. You think you'll never think for me? All your life you've taken everything, but you're not thinking. Finishing that drive. Two men may not make it, and I'm going to be sure I'm not going to lose that money you promised me. Now, come on. Now, straighten up here. What's the matter with you? Yeah. Yeah. You both able to ride now? Yeah. All right. Norm, what about you? Sure. All right, now, come on. Let's get started. 
I dumped out the coffee and covered up the fire while Norm got the horses. We saddled up and got the herd on the way. Norm moved out to the front and I stayed in the middle. Right foot up the rear. I figured it'd be just as well if I stayed between them. I looked back a couple of times. Whatever I did, I saw Rice staring at Norm, watching him, watching every move he made. But he didn't say a word. All day long, he didn't say a word. And then at supper time, oh, right, he sat off one side, just pecking at his food. I noticed there's nothing wrong with Norm's appetite, though. Any more beans? Yeah, it looks like you finished them up, Norm. Oh? You're kind of hungry tonight, huh? Why not? Just a kid still doing my growing. At least that's what some people think. Uh-huh. Well, as long as you're so full of energy, maybe you wouldn't mind looking after the cattle, huh? Huh? Well, you missed your turn last night, didn't you? Say, you taking over this outfit, Ponson? No, 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 no. Just a suggestion. I guess somebody's got to run things. Don't look like my brother's holding a very tight rein. See you in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Come on, uh, right. Uh, how about some shut-eye? Okay. Good night. Good night. I waited for the right dropped off when I closed my eyes. I didn't sleep very long, though. But an hour later, something woke me up. At first, I thought it was a coyote. And then I saw Rife edging off through the brush. You going somewhere, Rife? Huh? Coyote woke you up, too, huh? Yeah. That gun ain't gonna do much good if you're picking on killing it, right? What do you mean? It's empty, right? You ain't got no right to interfere. Oh, oh. I'm just thinking about that 10% of the herd. I'm gonna kill him, Bert. You can't stop me. Nobody can. He's your brother. No, no, he ain't. Not anymore. Would a brother do what he did to me? I ain't never had anything I could really call my own. If he wanted something, he took it. I never stopped him. But Carrie is my wife. She belongs to me, and this time I'm going to stop it. You'd better wait and talk it over with her. I waited too long already. Why do you think she didn't want Norm to go with us in this drive? It wasn't because she was afraid he'd never make it. She wanted him there with her. And at a time like this, which is... Easy, easy now, right? Probably want to take over the baby, too, when that comes along. No, no, come on now. You've got to get some sleep now. You'll feel better in the morning. Come on now. I won't feel better in the morning, Britt. I won't feel no better until... Until I'm even with him. I guess none of the three of us got much sleep that night. By noontime the next day, that saddle of mine was a little harder than usual. I was sort of keeping my eye on life... He was still riding behind me. But the sun was getting hot, and I was kind of drowsy, so I... I just jogged along for the next few miles, not paying much attention to anything or anybody. The star hadn't given me a jolt. It was easy, boy. Easy, easy now. I wouldn't have looked around, and I wouldn't have seen that we were coming into a gorge. It was very narrow, barely wide enough for the herd, and... The rock walls jutted up at a sharp angle, too steep for a horse to climb. By the time I got my bearings, it was too late. 
This was just the kind of a place wife was looking for. I couldn't see him now, but I knew he was doing the firing, and I knew why. He was trying to stampede the cattle. And there in the gorge, Norm wouldn't be able to get out of the way. There was no chance of getting back to stop life. All I could do was just jam right into the middle of the herd. Come on, boy. Now, come on. Come on. Way past a couple of steers. I tried to keep them under control, but the ones in the rear started pressing forward for earnest, and I there just wasn't no holding the rest of them. And he was right in it now, a real stampede. This was right's way of killing his brother, and I wasn't so sure I was going to fare any better than Norm. A couple of the cows shoved against us, almost top of the hill. I was pretty certain to lose his footing before we could get much further, and I, I jerked out my gun. I cleared us a little path, but the cattle plugged up before we get through. All of my shooting was just making things worse. There was nothing to do now but just get scarred and let them let run with it. I hadn't had time to worry about Norm. I didn't know what had happened to him. I didn't even think about him until it happened. Hey, that, that wasn't firing. That wasn't right firing. That was from up ahead. Well, the herd was half crazy now. They'd been shot at from all directions. They didn't know where to turn now. I rose up in my stirrups and looked forward. Norm? Norm was holding his ground at the mouth of the gorge. He could have gotten away all right, but he, he was holding his ground. I hadn't lifted myself up. Maybe I, I'd have been able to hang on when the cattle twisted around to start changing direction. As it was, I... I held his ground. Flattened out behind a rock. I was the only thing to save my neck. I rolled under him. In a couple of minutes, I was in the clear. The cattle passed me by. I, I pulled myself up, up to my feet, and I looked around. The herd was still out of control. They charging out the other end of the gorge, but and then I. Then I got a flash of right. No much must have heard it too. Right! Right! Norm came pounding past me, firing at all the rest like a wave and out of sight now before I saw Rife again. He was lying on the ground in a smear of sticky red dust and Norm was there bending over him when I got up to him. You... You all right, Rife? I started him, Norm. I figured you'd try to get out of the way, but... He didn't run. You... You stopped him. He stopped him, didn't he, Britt? Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean for him to turn on you, Rife. I, I swear I didn't. I know that. I know it. <laughs> I, I saw you trying to get through to me. Why did you want to help me, Norm? I started them so they'd kill you. Why did you want to help me? You're my brother. You're all I've got. All I've ever had. You hear that, Britt? You don't hate me? Rife, listen. About Carrie... About that letter. It's all right, Norm. I don't blame you. I don't blame Carrie. But she loves you, Rife. That letter was written a long time ago, before you and her were married, before she even knew you. A long, 
a long time ago. Yeah, I've carried it with me ever since. I was in love with her, but she wasn't in love with me, not ever. And when you come along, she realized that she, she's never had anything to do with me since. I only kept the letter so that I could show it to you and you got to ride me the way you did yesterday. You, you're telling the truth. You know I am, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I do. Sure. I guess I've known it all along. When Carrie told me about us having a baby, I, I was so happy and proud it almost spilled over. I guess a man couldn't feel that way if he wasn't sure of his wife. Take it easy. Take it easy right now. Don't try talking too much. What's the matter with you, Britt? You think I'm cattle finished? No, no, of course not. You said no. it would take all three of us to get to Abilene. That's the way it's going to be. All three of us. Sure. You and Norm and me. It'll be a while before I can get on my legs, but you just give me a couple of hours rest while you're rounding up the herd. A couple of hours and I'll be around to... Rife. Rife. He's dead, Norm. But... But he can't be. He was feeling better. You heard him. Well, a man don't always know when he's dying, Norm. Sometimes a man's lucky. I... Britt... Britt, I... Yeah. It's only... Only kids that cry, ain't it? I guess... I guess this makes me a kid. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say that, Norm. I'd say you've done a lot of growing up today. We buried Rice there at the mouth of the gorge and went off to round up the cattle again. We managed to find most of them, and about a week later we hit Abilene. All during that week, I kept wanting to ask Norm about that letter from Carrie, if it was true what he told Rice, if it really had been written a couple of years ago. But somehow, I don't know, the subject never came up. At least was I never found a good time for bringing it up. Besides, it really wasn't any of my business. Beginning tomorrow night, Fibber McGee and Molly return to the air in a new series of programs. Yes, beginning tomorrow night, you'll hear those wonderful folks from 79 Wistful Vista, Fibber McGee and Molly, every night, Monday through Friday on NBC. As a matter of fact, this is the week that we'll see 28 new programs beginning on the NBC Radio Network. And you'll find that an evening with NBC Radio is an evening sure to entertain. So make a date to keep your dial set where you hear the familiar NBC chimes. Your invitation to the best in radio programming. Coleman, America's leader in modern automatic home heating equipment, and the National Broadcasting Company have presented James Stewart as the Six Shooters. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture Thunder Bay. Others in the cast were Lou Merrill and James McCallion. The Six Shooter is an NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions and is based on a character created by Frank Burt. And today's transcribed story was written by him. Special music was by Basil Adlam. And the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. 
All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Starring William Conrad. The story of violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Howdy, Marshal. Hello, Mr. Biggs. Can I give you a hand? No, no. This is the last match here. Hey, wait till the flies get to these buffalo hides in the morning and be enough vultures overhead to keep the place in the shade for a week. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'll sure have your hands full by tomorrow night. Yeah, it looks that way. When these boys turn them hides into cash, they'll bite the corks out of every bottle in town. <laughs> and some of them look mean enough sober. Yeah. Well, you better bed down and get some sleep, Mr. Biggs. Uh, where are your boys? I don't know. Jeff had some trouble with the dry axle up near Pony Rock, and Boaz stopped to help him fix it, but they shouldn't be this long behind me. Well, if I see him, I'll tell him where to find you. You, you can tell Jeff, but Boaz ain't even going to hear you. Why? What's the matter with him? Oh, he's riding higher than an eagle. You know that white buffalo you've been hearing about? The albino? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just Indian talk. Oh, you think so, huh? Well, if it is, Boaz sure shot himself a mighty scared buffalo. <laughs> White as borax. Huh. That ought to fetch a price. Hey! Anybody seen Marshal Dillon? Right over, over here, Chester. You better saddle up, Mr. Dillon. What's the matter, Chester? The Indian trouble. Two men dead and a couple of wagons burned up out there. I found this. A war rattle. Made out of buffalo toes. Arapaho. Well, they haven't been making any trouble. Well, these did. I, I was topping a hill when I saw the wagons go up in fire. It was Indians, all right. I saw one ride off. That's funny. I never heard of Arapahoes attacking at night. How far out, Chester? Ten mile, maybe. Toward Pawnee Rock. Pawnee Rock? Marshal. My sons are coming from there. Easy, Mr. Grace. Lots of wagons in the church. <laughs> Marshal. I didn't see another wagon between here and Pawnee except the ones we had, but... The Indians killed my boys. There's only one way to make sure, Mr. Big. Saddle up and ride over to my office. I'll be with you as soon as I can get my horse. I cut back through those button willows over there when I spotted the wagons being fired. We must be close to it, then. Just over there. Right down yonder. See him? Yeah. I see him. We rode up and dismounted. 
The last glint of hope in Mr. Big's eyes died. His boys were there, all right. And it wasn't nice to see. Kill him. I'll get him, please. I'll murder every redskin in the territory. We gotta bring your sons in, Mr. Biggs. You know what the morning's gonna be like. You don't want to leave them out here. Now, come on. Hey, look. Down there by the stream. Yeah, four of them. They're not saddle horses. Mr. Biggs. Mr. Biggs. You recognize those horses down there? Yeah. I know. Teams belong to Boaz and Jeff. Indians must cut them loose from the wagons before they fired. Doesn't that seem curious to you, Chester? In what way, Mr. Dillon? Why didn't they take the horses with them? Yeah. What are you thinking, Marshal? No burned hides in those wagons. So they stole them. Yeah, they stole them. But Boaz and Jeff both have their rifles there beside them, and the horses are left behind, too. Horses and guns are the first things Indians would go for. What are you looking for, Mr. Dillon? Those buffalo hides weren't carried off without wagons. Yeah, here. Marks the two other wagons here, and they're fresh. I didn't see any other wagons, only these. Well, they'd finish and gone before you got here, Chester. Well, yeah, but I, I'd have caught up to any wagons on the trail to Dodge. Did you go by regular trail? Well, no, I... I figured the Indian I saw wasn't alone. I didn't want to get bushwhacked further on. You didn't see any Indian, Chester. But Mr. Dillon, just as plain No as... Indian would leave guns and horses. This job was done by white men. It didn't take anything that could be recognized or identified. You mean somebody's in Dodge by now with the hides my boys worked and sweated to get? I'm afraid so, Mr. Biggs. Well, there'll be more than 300 buffalo hunters there by morning. <laughs> Could be any of them. We'll find the right ones. Oh, how? The albino. Whoever killed your sons will have that white buffalo hide. <laughs> It was almost sunup when we got back to town, and more wagons had jammed the main street lining up for the unloading barns. I rode down the line, looking them over one by one. Howdy, Marshal. Some of the men would take their money, drink it up, and drift away. A few would stay long enough to be buried on Boot Hill. Then suddenly a wagon driver up ahead pulled out a line. Oh, hey, hey, wait a minute, Jim. Oh, oh, Take your hands off that key. I'll take my hands off since you get back to your place. Oh, I'm tired of waiting. Now let go of that bit, mister. Don't do that, stranger. Get your hand away from my gun. Well, now. Knows any law around you. There is, so don't try making your own. You got no right grabbing my team. I got plenty right when he tries to horn in in front of me, Marshal. That's a lie, Marshal. He cut Never mind. You both want to cool your heads out in jail? Now, what's your name? Tennessee's good enough. A lot of people from Tennessee coming into the territory. Most of them are pretty peaceful. That sounds like you're saying I'm not. You move pretty fast for that gun. 
Man can lose his temper. You lost yours four times, according to the notches you've carved into that gun butt. But don't try for number five, not here. How about you? What do you call? Charlie Kell. Charlie Kell, huh? They ever call you Chuck? No. Heard of a Chuck Kell a couple of years back, come from Kentucky. Not me. Man I heard about was a gunfighter, so he never wore gloves. See, you don't either. It's pretty rough on the hands. Thanks, Marshal. I'll make sure to take better care of him. Yeah, do that. I'll be around a while, Marshal. Maybe we can have another talk. Anytime. They'd need watching. But what I wanted now was a white buffalo hide. Searching the wagons wouldn't do. There wasn't time. And the search had let the killers know that something in the hides they'd stolen could be identified. The time to find out would be when the buyers checked them. I got Biggs and Chester to cover two of the unloading barns, and I covered the third one. And then finally, daylight came, and the haggling started. Son, you want to sell those hides? Better learn how to handle your skinning knife a little better. They're as good as any. They're full of holes, they ain't. Give you four dollars a hide for the bunch. You gave that last fellow eight. <laughs> He looked tougher than you. Six. I'll take six. Four. Take it or leave it. You think you can rob me, mister? Watch your mouth, boy. Uh... You... Here, none of that. Let me go. Easy, son. Go. Let me have that gun just so you won't be tempted. Here, that's better. Give me that. Give it back. You can pick it up at my office whenever you're ready to leave town. Yeah, you look like a city boy to me. Where are you from? St. Louis? None of your business. When something's got you beat, son, there's no shame to admitting it and going home. Sometimes that takes a real man. Don't tell me what to do. Why don't you watch your own job? Why don't you leave me alone, Marshal? I ain't got a white buffalo hide. What'd you say, boy? You heard me. What do you know about a white buffalo hide? What everybody else knows, that you're looking for one. Everybody in town knows it. How? Because the old man whose sons were bushwhacked all liquored up over at the other barn, shooting off his mouth. Don't go away mad, Marshal. <laughs> Mr. Biggs wasn't at the barn where I'd left him. I cut through an alley to Front Street and headed for the saloons. I never got to him. Mr. Dillon? Mr. Dillon? What's the matter, Chester? Old man Biggs. Where is he? I'm looking for him. Well, he... He was over by the barn I was watching. Drunk. Going through the wagon. Yeah, I know about that. I was trying to get him to go back to his own barn, but all of a sudden, he took off. For where? I don't know. But there was one wagon he was watching in particular. The driver walked away from it with a package of some kind. That white hide? It could have been. I don't know. But Big sure thought so. He lit out after a fellow with blood in his eye. Which way? Down there where the boy's been hitching the empty wagon. Well, let's go. Old boy's drunk enough to make trouble. He's liable to kill somebody. Or get killed. Too late, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. It came from there behind that row of wagons. You stay here, Chester. Be careful, Mr. Dillon. 
When I rounded the corner wagon, Mr. Biggs was sprawled across a wagon tongue, his eyes dead and open, staring at the ground. And standing over him was Tennessee, a smile on his face, and his gun extended to me butt first. Looks like I'm in a mite of trouble, Marshal. He's dead, Tennessee. That's more than a mite. Uh, you take my gun for a while. You mean until after you hang? Wasn't figuring it to be that serious. Not when a drunk follows me out here and throws down on me. If you're figuring on self-defense, forget it. Look at his gun. It isn't even caught. Well, it's out of his holster, Marshal. That's enough. Law don't say I have to wait till he kills me. You'll have to make a jury believe that. No, well, I... you shouldn't have much trouble doing that, Marshal. What are you doing here, Mr. Kell? Oh, I just happened to follow Tennessee out here. Why? Well, you broke up our little argument in town. Thought I'd get him alone here. See if maybe he was still nursing a grudge he wanted to settle. But the old man beat me to it. Now, Tennessee here ain't exactly a friend of mine, as you know, but... I hate to see any man hang when he ain't guilty. Is that your personal verdict, Mr. Kill? That's right, Marshal. The old man threw down on him, and Tennessee had to kill him in self-defense. Chester. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon? Which one of them had the package? This one. This is the fellow the old man was after. All right, Tennessee, where is it? I don't know anything about a package. Look in the wagon, Chester. See anything? Nothing here. I reckon you can give my gun back to me now. All right, Tennessee. Here. Thanks. But if you decide to use it again while you're in Dodge or any place else in Kansas, I hope I'm there when you do. Well, now, don't you fret, Marshal. I'm sure you will be. Turn for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, action excitement thrills. That's Gangbusters. Gangbusters helps to fight crime by fearlessly naming the criminals. Listen for it later this evening on CBS Radio. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Just before sundown, we buried old man Biggs and his two sons up on Boot Hill. By the time the service was over and I rode down, darkness had fallen. And everything was going full blast. The town was roaring. Seemed like a good man, old Biggs. He was, Chester. So are his boys. Yeah, but there are too many men like Tennessee and Kell coming in, Mr. Dillon. They won't last, Chester. They'll keep coming, but they won't last. They'll take a gun and go against a man, but they won't sweat. They won't take root and build. We still going to look for that hide? Yeah. Just what do you want me to do, Mr. Dillon? Tennessee and Kell will be in town, but their wagons are back there with the other empties. 
right back and look them over. Well, they might have had somebody carry that package off for them. It might be, but they don't seem like partners, Mr. Dillon. From what I heard, you stopped them from gunfighting. It took more than one man to kill the Biggs boys, and more than one man and more than one wagon to cart the hides in. Well, you mean they staged that trouble just for you? Just for me. After they heard I was looking for that white hide. Well, why do you figure that, Mr. Dillon? When gunfighters start for their guns, nothing stops them, Chester. They both started, but they both stopped. I reckon you better take a look through those wagons. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Uh, well, I meet you. I'll be checking the saloons. <laughs> One by one, I made the stops. The Long Branch, the Alafraganza, the Texas Trail. And one by one, they got quieter as I went in. As though each place was holding its breath. Waiting for something to happen. The last place was a Mexican hangout. A long, dark walk. Marshal? Can't see me, can you, Marshal? No. No, I can't see you, son. Too bad. Because I got another gun. They sell them around here. And I ain't going back to St. Louis. You'll fire once, son, and if you don't kill me with that, and I'll kill you. I'll gamble on that, Marshal. <laughs> He lurched from the shadows into the street, staggered, and fell. And then he rolled over on his back, and his eyes struggled for a minute like they were trying to remember something. And then he went blank. Well, he is right about one thing. He wasn't going back to St. Louis. Well, what do you know? The marshal's real handy with a gun. Stay out of this, Kel. But I may have something to talk over with you later. Meaning what? If you don't know, then you got nothing to worry about. I've been hearing a lot about how fast you are with a gun, Dylan. Anything to it? I'm still alive. Yeah. This your hobby, shooting kid? He was old enough to try to kill me. I don't like it, Marshal. That's too bad, Mr. Kell. The Chuck Kell I heard about would have loved it. They said he'd killed two kids under 16, one of them his own brother. No, you didn't hear the whole story, Marshal. The Kell you heard about killed a Marshal, too. You made the bid, Mr. Kell. You got a gun. Use it or I'll take it away from you. Come and get it. Anytime. Here it is. 
How you feeling, Mr. Dillon? I'm all right, Chester. Doc fixed your head. Wasn't much he could do for Kel, though. I hit him. If you didn't, he sure died for nothing. He was fast, all right. Boys say you made him look like a sleepy burrow. Never even cleared his holster. And my head says different. You didn't get that from Cal. What do you mean? Tennessee was up the street with a rifle. He creased you. Huh? Where is he now? I don't know, Mr. Dillon. He rode out of town before I could stop him. I was the only one who saw him. I was coming up street to find you. All right. Let's get out of here. find anything in the wagons? No, sir. But I found Tennessee's wife. Wife? That's right, Mr. Dillon. In a small wagon next to his. He's a squaw man. His wife's an Indian girl. Well, let's find her. All right, Chester. Which way? Edge of town, Mr. Dillon. Well, let's go. You talked to the wife? Yes, sir. Found out Tennessee and Kel were friends, all right. They left her here night before last and arranged to meet her here today. She said they were driving empty wagons when they left her. Ask her what tribe she belonged to? Didn't have to ask, Mr. Dillon. I could tell by her beads. She's an Arapaho. <laughs> there, all right, crouched by the wheel of a wagon. Her face was bloody, and she stared into a small campfire, rocking back and forth without a sound. She wasn't beat up when I left her, Mr. Dillon. Where's your husband? He's gone. Gone where? He's gone. Tell me which way he went, and I'll bring him back to you. No. You lawman. Your husband had a white buffalo hide, didn't he? Tell me. No. Other man killed white buffalo. Then your husband took the hide away from him? Well, he buy. He buy hide. He didn't buy him. He killed two men to get him. He killed with Indian paint on his face. He left an Arapaho war rattle. He wants the blame to come to your people. If the white men think the Arapahoes are on the warpath, the soldiers will come. No. Arapaho, peaceful. Where's the white hide? What'd your husband do with it? He tell me. Bury it. Where? Where's it buried? There. Back there. By tree. Go dig it up, Chester. And then stay with her like it back. You going after him, Mr. Dillon? As soon as she tells me which way. All right, Mr. Dillon. You're white man. No good. Now tell me which way he went. You let him go. He not come back. I can't let him go. If I do, the soldiers will come after your people. He beat you and he ran away from you. Now he'll bring death to your tribe unless I get him. Where did he go? He... 
right to my moon sleep. I rode east. Tennessee had had about an hour's start, but I figured to make up most of that before sunrise. The prairie was open and flat except for an occasional roll. And the Arkansas River would keep him from cutting south. His best bet for a fresh horse would be Kinsley, and I rode hard for it. It was just turning daylight when I rode in. Well, howdy, Marshal. Morning. Good morning. Got a place I can water my horse. Trough right there. Just let him loose. He'll find it. Thank you. Looks like you come a long way. Dodge. Another fella here just a few minutes ago been riding hard, too. He come from up Pawnee Way, though. Tall, dark, riding a vinegar roan? Yeah, that's right. You get a fresh horse here? I'd send my boy out to corral to get one for him. He'll be back soon. You mean he's still here in town? Yeah. Asked about breakfast, so I sent him over to the Witter Hilliard's place. Right over there, across the road. Thank you. I'll be back. Say, you after that fellow, Marshal? Understand your servant breakfast, ma'am. Why, sure thing, Marshal. Dylan! That's right. Give me a clear way out the door. Or I'll kill you. Come by me, Tennessee. I'll come shooting. That's all right. But just be sure you get me this time. You hurt, ma'am? No, I... I'm all right, Marshal. He looks kind of dead. Yeah. Bad one, huh? Yes, um. Gunfighter. Thief. Killer. What's your name, Marshal? Dillon, ma'am. Matt Dillon. I, uh. I'm sorry about. Marshal. When my husband brought me out here 15 years ago, Indians burned this place down three times. I'm used to killing. You want to. Carry him out. I'll go fix you that breakfast. Thank you, ma'am. It's a long ride back to Dodge. Gunsmoke, transcribed under the direction of Norman McDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal.
Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Joel Murcott with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Stan Waxman, John Daner, and Larry Dobkin with Sam Edwards, Zulian Bayef, Tom Holland, and Mary Lansing. Barley Bayer is Chester. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. <laughs> Something new in CBS Radio Newsroom coverage, World News with Robert Trout presents as a special weekly feature an interview with a crack CBS Radio News correspondent. This correspondent flies in from his post overseas to give you his authoritative eyewitness viewpoint on latest developments. Tomorrow afternoon on most of these same stations, World News with Robert Trout. This is Clarence Cassell speaking. And remember, from now to November, you'll find intensive impartial campaign coverage on the CBS Radio Network. Slaughter's my name. Luke Slaughter. Cattle's my business. It's a tough business. It's a big business. I got a big stake in it. And there's no man west of the Rio Grande big enough to take it from me. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone, Civil War cavalryman turned Arizona cattleman. Across the territory from Yuma to Fort Defiance, from Flagstaff to the Huachucas, and below the border through Chihuahua and Sonora, his name was respected or feared, depending on which side of the law you were on. Man of vision, man of legend, Luke Slaughter of Tombstone. It was a long, hot ride to Laredo. The last day I pushed it hard, eating dust all the way. I didn't know if I'd be in time or not. When I rode up to the cantina in town and went inside, I saw I was, barely in time. The two of them were sitting at a corner table... From the sound of it, the deal was just about closed. Me and my boys will bring that herd up across the border for you in good shape. Hell, I hope so, Hancock. The association's pretty worried about all the trouble we've had on these drives before. Excuse me, gents. You Ben Wilkins? Why, yes. President of the Cattlemen's Association? Yes, that's right. I don't think I know you. Look, mister, we're talking business. That's why I'm here, Hancock. How come you know my name? Wilkins, I understand you're aiming to bring a herd of cattle up from Mexico into Texas. Well, what's that to you? You're missing a good bet. Why don't you drive them west, to Arizona? Arizona? That's right. Haven't you heard about the new mines opening up around Tombstone? Everybody and his brother's headed out there, and they all gotta eat. That means a good market for beef. A lot better price than you get around here. He's crazy, Wilkins. That's too far to drive a herd. Hell, it's sure too dangerous anyway. Why, there's banditos, rustlers, even Indians, maybe. I took a herd out there last month. There wasn't near enough to take care of all those beef-eating miners. I'll drive your herd out there for you, for a percentage. Now, you just shut that big mouth of yours, mister, whoever you are. I'm the one drives Wilkins' herds, wherever they go. Oh. Wilkins, 
You can't afford Jess Hancock anymore. No, what do you mean? The last herd he brought across the border for you. How many did he uh, lose along the way? Why, 43 head. Could have happened to anyone. Banditos, that's what it was. Mexican bandits, huh? Here's a bill of sale might interest you, Wilkins. Seems last week a rancher named Hollister bought 43 head in good faith. Paid for him proper. Man who sold him was Jess Hancock. What? That's a lie. Take a look, Wilkins. That Hancock signature. What? It sure is. Nobody's gonna accuse me of wrestling. Don't try it, Hancock. I can kick that gun out of your hand before you get it loose from the holster. You just try it, man. You convinced, Hancock. Who are you, mister? Slaughter. Luke Slaughter. Slaughter? Oh, I've heard of you, Mr. Slaughter, but I didn't know you was in these parts. You don't have to mister me, Wilkins. Just Slaughter's good enough. Hancock, the association's going to hear about this. If those are the same 43... You men, got no proof. We'll see about that. Slaughter, you said Arizona, huh? A lot of hungry miners in Tombstone. Bigger price, huh? Half again as much. Meet me back here in an hour. You got yourself a job. I'll be here, Wilkins. Uh, you hear me, Slaughter. I don't care what your reputation is. You ain't gonna beat me out of this. I'll stop you. Here I am, Hancock. And now's as good a time as any. Go ahead. Yeah, you can talk mighty tall with my gun laying there on the floor. Oh, yeah. Your gun. There it is, Hancock. And I'm just as far from that table it's sitting on as you are. Now go ahead. There's, uh... There's other ways, Slaughter. There's other ways. Now, look, Slaughter, when you signed for this job, you guaranteed me six good trail hands. I didn't know you were just going to pick them cold on the bar here. That's the difference, Wilkins. If they're not good hands now, they will be by the time we get to Tombstone. I'll see to that. Yeah, I guess you will. How many you got so far? Two Mexican boys who know the country pretty well, and a cook. Still leaves you three shy. I'll get them. Say, mister, your name's Slaughter? Yeah, Mine's Rusty. I hear you're looking for trail hands. Maybe. You ever been to Tombstone? Not with a herd. Didn't know anybody had. This will be the second. But I've been almost every place else you can take a herd, I guess. Dodge City, Cheyenne, the Panhandle, you name it. All right, I'll take you. Uh, you the one that's hiring, mister? That's right. But you look a little old for the drive I've got in mind. Tombstone's a long way. Don't worry about that, none. I'll keep up. What's your name? They call me Wichita. All right, Wichita, you're on. Got room for one more, Slaughter? Who are you, son? Name's Carson. Jim Carson. You ever ridden trail before? No, but I don't figure it'd be too tough. Besides, Slaughter, I come in handy when there's trouble. Oh? How about when there's work? I'll work. I need the money. I want to buy me a gun. You already got a gun. I want to get me another one. All right, I'll put you on. You say your name was Jimmy? It's not Jimmy, it's Jim. 
I don't like being called Jimmy. Go get your stuff together, Jimmy. I guess you didn't hear me, Slaughter. I said I don't like being you called... You want to come along or don't you? I want to come. Then get moving, Jimmy. I don't like that one, Slaughter. He's on the prod. Could be, Wilkins. I take a chance with him, then. I don't want any trouble with this herd. Now, just a minute, Wilkins. I didn't guarantee no trouble. Matter of fact, I'd be surprised if there wasn't. I guarantee just one thing to bring that herd through. That you can count on. Oh, I've seen young punks like him before, Slaughter. They go run with a chip on their shoulder trying to show how tough they are. He probably heard about you. What about me, Wichita? Well, no offense. You've got a kind of reputation, that's all. Punk like that, sooner or later, he'll probably want to find out how tough you are. <laughs> Maybe. I heard him shooting off his mouth at the bar earlier about how he'd gunned down a couple of men here and there. Oh? I bet he's awful green on the trail, though. You can show him the ropes, Rusty. Maybe the trail will take some of the toughness out of him. Anyway, I need what men we can get. He goes with us. You're the boss. Where are we heading from here? Delgada. Little town below the border. That's where we pick up the herd. When are we leaving? As soon as we saddle up. Tonight? Yeah. We should be able to hit the trail with the cattle tomorrow afternoon. Make a few miles toward Tombstone before dark. Well, what's the hurry? There's a man named Jess Hancock. Wouldn't mind making a little trouble for me. I want that herd all in one piece. To start with, anyway. <laughs> Good-looking herd, Rusty. Yeah, but no herd's worth pounding leather like we did all the way down here to Delgada. Slaughter said he wanted to make it by this afternoon. He did. Where is he, anyway? Signing the papers over there at the pens. I don't see why we can't hang around town tonight, leave in the morning. Well, why not take it up with the boss? Here he comes. You think you're pretty funny, don't you, Wichita? <laughs> Just once in a while, son. Well, I guess we're all ready. Rusty, how about the cook? Oh, he's got all the grub loaded in the chuck wagon, ready to roll. Good. Senor. Senor. What? You're Slaughter? Yeah, who are you? I'm Carlota. You are going to Arizona? Yeah, Tombstone. Why? Take me with you. What? I want to get away from this place. I want to go to Arizona. Please take me with you. Sorry. What are you doing here, Carlota? Come on, back to the cantina where you belong. Well, well, Jess Hancock. How come you're down here? This is my stamping ground, Slaughter. Or was... I ain't forgot. I didn't figure you had. First you take my job, now you try to take my girl. Now just a minute, Hancock. Don't get things any more twisted up than you can help. Get moving, Carlotta. You leave me alone. Get! Oh. I hope you have a real pleasant trip to Tombstone, Slaughter. I better have... Getting pretty dark, Slaughter. Don't you reckon we'd better get that herd bedded down for the night? A little further. You've been avoiding the regular trail. Expecting trouble? I usually do, Wichita. I've been watching you around horses, Slaughter. Been thinking you was in the cavalry. Oh? I heard about a man named Slaughter once. Commanded a regiment from Illinois in the war. Yeah? Raiders, they was used to raid across the line. This slaughter I heard about, he always used to come back leading a string of Confederate horses with their saddles empty. I've been thinking you're the same slaughter. 
And I've been thinking you're a pretty nosy old man. <laughs> yep, that's me. <laughs> well, this is far enough. Rusty, go bed down here. Right. Where'd you tie that chuck wagon of ours? I just saw the tarp move. There's somebody inside. Yeah, I saw it too. All right, Carlotta. Oh. Get out of there. Please, senor, I want to go to Tombstone. You picked the wrong way. But you don't send me back now. It's night. It's wild country. You wouldn't do that, would you? You counted on that, didn't you? All right. You'll go with us. Oh, gracias. But you'll earn your way. You'll help the cook. You'll clean up after him. You'll wash the dishes. Work me like a horse, huh? Or worse. Maybe you like the horses better. There's one big difference. I invited the horses. After we bedded down the herd, the cook wrestled up some grub. Carlotta was plenty sullen, but she worked. Jimmy kept eyeing her, so I figured I'd better put him on night herd. I turned in around midnight. Everything was peaceful. But it didn't stay that way very long. Slaughter! You hear that? Yeah. Where'd they come from? Well, I don't know. But it's got the herd riled up. There they go! They're stampeding, Slaughter! They're stampeding! In a moment, Luke Slaughter of Tombstone returns. Somebody ought to set Jack Benny straight about how to make a movie because he's at it again. When you join him later on today, CBS Radio's misguided matinee idol will attempt his own version of a famous movie. To make it even better, Hollywood producer Stanley Kramer, who made the movie, will be right there when he does. For a hilarious example of how not to make a motion picture, hear the Jack Benny Show later today on most of these same stations. Henry Morgan and Mitch Miller will be around following Jack Benny. Henry Morgan is host on the fast and funny guessing game, Says Who? His star-studded panel of experts spark one laugh after another as they try to identify memory-teasing mystery voices. And speaking of stars, you'll find an hour of fast and funny conversation with the biggest name stars of Hollywood and Broadway waiting for you on CBS Radio's Mitch Miller Show tonight. And now, Act Two of William N. Robeson's production of Luke Slaughter of Tombstone. Wedgetown, turn him in! We gotta get him turned to Miller! You're getting too close, Slaughter! Jerry, rest over there! I can't turn the bunch in the lead! Slaughter! Watch out! They'll run you down! Yeah! Yeah, get around! Rusty, ah. head off that lead steer! Right! That's it. Let's get him slow. Whoa. Barbara. Yeah. That was close, Wichita. Yeah. I thought I'd seen everything, Slaughter. But I guess I was wrong. What do you mean? Riding into that herd the way you did. You know a better way to turn him? You could have been run down, killed. Maybe. Jimmy, come out over here. Look, look, Slaughter, up on the ridge. Small fire. Could be Indians. We'll go up and take a look in a minute. What do you want, Slaughter? Those two shots that started the stampede. 
Sounded like they came from over near where you were. You fire those shots, Jimmy? I said, did you fire those shots? Yeah. Why? I thought I saw something moving in the dark near me. Figured it could be trouble. So you just hauled up and blasted away, huh? Pretty spooky with that six-gun of yours, aren't you? I tell you, I thought someone was coming at me. You almost cost us the whole herd. You want two of those guns, but one's too much for you. I'm taking your six-gun, Jimmy. No, you ain't, Slaughter. I'll leave you your rifle in case you run into trouble on the way to Tombstone. But I can't take any more chances on that itchy trigger finger of yours. I'll hand it over. Ain't nobody gonna take my gun away from me. I'll... I'll draw on you before I let you. No, you won't. I'd... Maybe you ain't heard about them two men I gunned, Slaughter. Yeah, you were shooting off your mouth about it in the saloon, but I don't believe it, Jimmy. You never gunned a man. And you're not gonna start now. Now hand it over. But first. I just... Let's have it. All right. Now get back to the herd. Yeah, you've taken a lot away from that kid, Slaughter. First calling him Jimmy, and now taking his gun. I had no choice. Uh, even so, you cut him up, and he won't forget it. You're trying to be my conscience or something, Wichita. Oh, like you say, I'm just a nosy old man. <laughs> <laughs> then let's go nose around that fire up on the ridge. some dirt on that fire, Wichita. Get it out. Right. Uh, nobody around here. You know, this could be a signal fire. Think it was Indians at Littich? I doubt it. I think it was intended as a signal for Jess Hancock so he could locate the herd. You suggesting somebody in our outfit set off the fire? Could be. But the stampede, we was all there. The fire could have been lit just before the stampede. You say somebody in the outfit, uh, that it include me? Yeah. Right now, Wichita, there's only one person in the outfit I'm sure of. Who's that? Me. I tell you, I didn't start the fire slaughter. I wouldn't help Hancock. I told you I want to get away from him. I know that's what you told me, Carlotta. But you don't believe me. You think I'm still Hancock's girl? Why don't you trust me? Why don't you be nice to me, huh? Maybe I could be your muchacha. Sorry. Right now my job's riding herd on cattle, not women. Oh, would you make me sick? You don't care about nobody but yourself. Is she right, Slaughter? What? <laughs> oh, Wichita. I might have known you'd be listening. Yep. Well, Slaughter, the herd's quieted down. Two Mexican boys are keeping an eye on it. Did Carlotta admit anything? No. I wouldn't trust her any. I don't, Rusty. You want us for anything more, or can we turn in? In a minute. I want to lay out the plans for tomorrow. I think we're in for some trouble. How so? Well, we've got two possible routes through the country ahead, Rusty. Through a narrow pass or along the river bottom. The question is, which way to take the herd? You expecting to be dry gulched? I wouldn't be surprised, Jimmy. Yeah, that narrow pass would be the logical place for a bushwhacking. 
Why not take the herd through along the river bottom? Well, there's one thing wrong with that, Rusty. Hey, it could be just what Hancock wants you to do. Right. You might be trying to outfigure me. There's a lot of willows and underbrush along that river bottom. You could be holed up there. That's why we're going to take the herd through the pass. We'll start right after sunup. I didn't know if my bluff would work or not. It was the only way I could find out who Hancock's spy was. I rode away from camp toward the herd. Whoever it was, I had to give him a chance to make a move. And it didn't take long. Pretty soon I heard muffled hooves moving away. I rode back to camp and took a look. It was rusty. He was gone. Carlotta's gone too, Slaughter. I guess she wasn't so anxious to get away from Hancock as she let on. So Rusty's going to tell him that we're bringing the herd through the pass. It's just what I wanted him to do. Unless he knows this country a lot better than I do, he's going to lead me right to Hancock. You're going after him? Yeah. They should give me the slip. We're going to be in for some trouble. What do you want us to do? Split the outfit in two, Wichita. Take half the herd through the pass, the other half through the river bottom. Be ready for trouble, especially in the pass. Let me take the pass, Slaughter. You, uh, you sure you want to? Yeah, real sure. And I think I can handle it. I think you can, too. Oh, and, uh, you might be needing that six-gun of yours. Here it is, Jim. Thanks. Luke? <laughs> Slaughter will do. Get moving at sunup. Join up on the other side and wait for me. I picked up Rusty's trail. He was headed for the ridge between the pass and the river bottom. It was getting light when I reached a shortcut where I could gain some ground on him. But I gained too much. Just as I got back to the trail again, a horse came pounding around the bend carrying Rusty and Carlotta. He pulled up when he spotted me and shoved Carlotta off. Get off! Then I saw he'd been holding a gun on her. His slug burned my shirt as I dove at him. Slaughter, you... You all right, Carlotta? I think so. Rusty made me go with him. He was taking me back to Hancock. Slaughter. It came from those rocks up above there. Take cover. All right. Oh, I can't walk. My ankle is twisted. All right. All right. I'll carry you. Get her up behind this rock. You'll be all right. There. Sit here. You'll be safe now. I was wrong about you, Slaughter. What do you mean? You do care about somebody beside yourself. Gracias. It's got to be Hancock up there in those rocks. Here, take my rifle and stay put. I'm going to try and circle around behind him. There was a big shoulder of rock above me and to my left. If I could get around that, I might be able to get behind Hancock if he didn't hear me coming. There he was. Twenty yards away. His back to me. His gun in the holster so he could get a better handhold as he edged his way along the rocks. I holstered my own gun and stepped out into the clear. Hancock! Slaughter. Yeah. Here I am, Hancock. Now go ahead. Draw. like it, Wichita. Slaughter should have been here by now. He'll be along, Jim. Well, maybe we ought to head up there and see if we can find him. He could be in trouble. He said wait for him here. Well, even so, maybe... Here we... he is. 
coming up the draw. Carlotta's with him. Ain't that uh, Rusty's horse that she's riding? Yeah. And Slaughter's leading another one. Uh-huh. With an empty saddle. Heard all right? Yeah, all in one piece. No trouble. But uh, looks like you had some. A little. That horse you're leading, is it Hancock's? It was. I knew you could outdraw him. Matter of fact, the draw was about even. But how come you... Tim, you got a couple of things to learn. It isn't getting your gun out of your holster that's the most important thing. It's what you do with it once it's out. <laughs> you figure Hancock was after the herd or after Carlotta? I didn't take time to ask him which at all. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone, starring Sam Buffington. Written by Robert Stanley, with editorial supervision by Tom Hanley, and directed by William N. Robeson. Supporting Mr. Buffington in the first of this new series were Lillian Bieff, Eddie Marr, Herb Vigran, Sam Edwards, Junius Matthews, and Vic Perrin. Next week at this time, we return with... Slaughter's the name. Luke Slaughter. When we meet up again, you can call me that. Luke Slaughter. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. I see you received my complaint. I got it, Mingo. Where's Stanley? Where do you think? Upstairs. Brandy? Naturally. She always does mother him when he's in trouble. <laughs> be careful, Marshal. He might be dangerous. <laughs> well, Marshal, you got a sweet word for Dixie? Yeah. Move. Oh, it's not very sweet. It was to the point. <laughs> Say hello to Jim for me, huh? Go away. It's me, Brandy. Matt. Come in, Matt. 
Join me in a drink? Where is he, Brandy? In the next room. Cried himself to sleep. Save it, Brandy. I gotta take him. Oh, why, Matt? Jim Stanley never did a mean thing in his life. He's no bad man. He stole money from Mingo's roulette table and he threw a bottle at him when he was caught. Mingo's present charges. Stanley can clear himself in court. Huh. Against Mingo's witnesses? Do you bring Stanley out or do I go get him? Go get him. But I wouldn't be proud, Matt. Stick to running dance hall, girls, Brandy. Let me run the law, huh? Stanley? Stanley! Hmm? Oh, it's you, Marshal. I was sleeping. I want you to come with me, Jim. Come with you? Sure, Marshal. You better get up. Come on. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, where are we going, Marshal? Would you like to visit my ranch? I got a new colt. The prettiest little sorrel you ever saw. She... We're going to jail. Jail? Me, Marshal? Do I have to? Yes, Jim. I've never been in a jail. I'm sorry, Jim. No. No. I, I can't go in there. Oh, Marshal, I ain't never been locked up before. Please don't make me... I have to. I didn't mean to do it. Honest, I just lost my head when I realized my money was gone... I wouldn't have kept those chips. I know that. I, I just grabbed them. I don't know why. They were there, and I just grabbed them, and then Mingo started in on me. He kept saying things, bad things about... Take it easy, Jim. I wouldn't have cared, except that, well, Dixie was there. He kept yelling at me that I was a thief right right in front of her. I tried to make him stop, and he wouldn't. And then something happened. The bottle was there, and... You threw it at Mingo? No, no. I just threw it, Marshal. I was crazy. I, I didn't mean to hurt nobody. I believe you, Jim. Marshal, uh, will you ask Dixie to come and see me later? Yeah, sure, I'll ask. Her. Thanks. I just want to tell her not to blame Mingo for all this. She might say something or give up her job. Don't worry, Jim. I don't think Dixie's going to give up anything. Dillon, he just sits there staring. Yeah, poor devil. He won't really be convicted, will he? Well, I hope not, Chester. Mingo's the one who ought to be in jail. Look, Chester, this isn't exactly my idea of justice either. A shady gambler against a simple-minded horse rancher. Hello, Marshal. Goodbye, Chester. Hmm? Oh, goodbye. I'll run along. You stay put, Chester. Oh, now, Marshal... I want to be alone with you. I sent for you to come and visit Jim Stanley, and you better be nice to him. <laughs> Most fellas are tickled pink if I like them. They say I'm pretty. You're pretty enough. 
Oh, that's, that's better. I knew you liked me. I said you were pretty. I didn't say I liked you. Oh, now that's nasty. Would you like to hear what I really think of you? No, don't bother. I get the idea. You're Mingo's girl. When I feel like it. Then why do you have to tease a man like Stanley, drive him to drinking and gambling and trouble like he's in now? He's sweet. He thinks I'm beautiful. Yeah. But even men like him wake up. Stick to Mingo. See if your prisoner was all set for trial tomorrow. Mingo, I want you to withdraw those charges. And let that potential murderer go free? <laughs> no. You got back the chip Stanley took from your table, and his assaulting a man like you is ridiculous. He doesn't even wear a gun. A bottle constitutes a deadly weapon. Look it up, Mark. Why are you doing this, Mingo? Why pick on a man like Stanley? Let's say I don't like him always slobbering over Dixie. She's private property. For that greedy little vixen he had sent Stanley to prison, knowing that it'll probably crack his mind completely? That's his problem. You don't understand, Mingo. I don't like to see people pushed around. Well, don't cross me, Marshal. I already have. People get dead that way. Yeah, so I've heard. Now, just who are these witnesses of yours against Stanley? Ned Cole, Saginaw Henry. Both on your payroll. Dixie. Some of the other girls. All working for you, huh? Jim Stanley's as good as convicted, Marshal. There's not a thing you can do about it. Here, man. Drink this. Ah, uh, thanks, Brandy. <clears throat> you know, all you need to do is stop fighting yourself, Matt. You're mixed up. Yeah, that's sure true, Brandy. You know, it's funny when, when it's something you can fight with your fists and your guns, it's easy. But how do you fight a deal like this? You gotta clear Jim somehow. And with those witnesses against him, Jim can't win in court. Technically, he's a criminal. Oh, criminal, my foot. He admits the crimes. The judge will have to sentence him to at least a minimum jail term. We know there are witnesses who can prove he's innocent. Now, a smart man would find a way to make him talk. I've been thinking about it. Well, I'll, I'll tell Jim you were asking after him. I think he'd like that. Mm, he's Dixie's. I had me a man once, Matt. I traded him for a bottle of brandy. <laughs> I paid a stiff price for my name. You're not through yet, Brandy. Oh, sure. <laughs> I play mother to everybody. Take everybody's troubles on my shoulders. Help salve my conscience. <laughs> Don't ever hurt a person, Matt. You never get through paying for it. Well, I, I better be going. 
Where? To try to get some of those witnesses to talk. Hello, Saginaw. Huh? Oh, it's you. I've been looking for you. Then you've been looking for trouble. Well, you're beginning to sound like your boss, Mingo. It's late. What do you want? I want to read you something from this book. What book? This law book. Oh, so? First law I see says that uh, anyone giving a drink to an Indian is liable to fine up to $500. I saw you buy an Indian Pete a drink only last week. Pete's a stable boy. He ain't no savage. Law doesn't say savage. Says Indian. Pete's an Indian, so technically you broke the law. You can't make Next any... Next one says any man that disrobes in a public place is guilty of committing a public nuisance. Carries a fine of $100. Look, what the devil is all this... I saw you breaking a horse down in Harrison's Corral a little while back. You took your shirt off, and that's disrobing in a public place. Technically. You can't get away with this, Dylan. How much you make a month, Saginaw? Fifty, seventy-five. Uh-huh. Well, the way it looks, I can get you fined on enough of these laws to keep you broke for about five years. Five years? Then we can start all over again. You're, you're bluffing. I never even heard of these well, laws. Well, look for you... yourself here. If you witnesses are going to send Jim Stanley to jail on a technicality, then a lot of you are going to jail the same way. Well, laws may be there, but they ain't fair. All right, Saginaw, if that's how you want it. Come on, let's go to jail. No. No, uh, wait. Well, then start talking. Well, Dixie shilled Stanley into losing his money, and, and me and Ned Cole egged him into grabbing a couple of chips when the wheelman wasn't looking. On Mingo's orders? Sure. Stanley looked down at the chips we swiped, and uh, he reached out to hand them back when Mingo jumped him. What was Dixie doing? Trying to keep from laughing. Yeah, I'll bet. And then what? Mingo rode Stanley hard to make him break down in front of Dixie. Finally, the poor lunkhead seemed to go crazy. He yelled and tossed a bottle at the bar. Not at Mingo? No, missed him by ten feet. Stanley was just working off his mad by busting the bottle. Paid for it, I guess he had the right. Yeah, I guess he had. First, I think Mingo was just deviling Stanley, and then he got the idea to press charges and send him to jail. We got orders out to testify. Uh-huh. Well, thanks, Saginaw. Uh, Marshal, uh, I'd like you to know something. Yeah? I'm glad I told you about Stanley, because framing him into prison isn't my idea of something to be proud of. It shouldn't be. <laughs> Good evening, Chester. My, what are you so happy about, Mr. Dillon? <laughs> everything, Chester, everything. Is it about Jim Stanley? It is about Jim Stanley. He's going to clear himself in court tomorrow. Come on, let's go tell him. Well, gracious, that is good news. He couldn't have taken much more of being locked up. <laughs> I know. Hey, Jim, wake up. We're going to break... Jim. Mr. Dillon, he's, he's gone. Both window bars are cut. Yeah. And here's what cut him. 
Wilson. A hacksaw blade. And look yonder, there's another. Oh, that fool. Why couldn't he have waited one more day and he'd have been free? Jim Stanley didn't have those hacksaw blades on him, Mr. Dillon. I know I searched him good. You searched Dixie good? Hmm? Oh, mercy, no, Mr. Dillon. She's a girl. He didn't have any other visitors. No, sir. Mingo's going to be awful mad when he finds out his girl helped Jim Stanley get away. Come on. You going to arrest Dixie, Mr. Dillon? I don't know, Chester. First, I got to find her. return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, every Sunday on CBS Radio, hear both sides debate the issues on Pick the Winner. It's a program that brings in the top people from Democratic and Republican camps, standing their ground and delivering their views on the biggest questions of the campaign. Don't miss Pick the Winner, Sundays between now and November, to be fully informed when it comes time to vote. And remember... Straight through election time, make CBS Radio your election headquarters. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Aren't you, Marshal? Where's Dixie, Mingo? Dixie, she's gone. I don't know where she is. You're lying. Well, I swear she disappeared hours ago. I still think you're lying. Dixie's here someplace. No, he's telling you the truth for once, man. Dixie's gone, all right. Are you sure, Brandy? Saw her right out of town. Was Stanley? Yeah, Matt. The two of them. Dixie and Stanley? Dixie passed him some saw blades. He cut his way out. That rotten double-crossing hellcat. She's your girl, Mingo. I'll be the laughing stock of Dart City. Good. I hope they laugh you clear out of Kansas. <laughs> it's the last thing I'll do, I'll find her. Both of them. Finding them is my job, Mingo. Go ahead. But you better beat me to them, or you'll be arresting them dead. They stopped here, all right. Probably changed horses and got some supplies. That wasn't why Stanley came home. Look, Chester. What? Water in the stock trough is right up to the top. And the barn's open. Feed pulled out where the stock can reach it. Even scared to death, Jim thought about his animals first. Mr. Dillon, you think Mingo's trailing Stanley and Dixie, too? Uh, perhaps. It's one good reason why we'd better catch him quick. Come on. Still no sign. Uh, looks like we've lost them for good now. What do we do? Go back, Mr. Dillon? Well, we can't let Mingo find them. Sure, but the way they've been zigzagging back and forth for the last four days, we don't have a chance in a thousand. I'm not so sure, Chester. 
Hmm? You know, there's a certain pattern about the way Stanley and Dixie have been moving. I don't think they're trying to leave this section at all. Yeah, we have been getting closer and closer to Dodge with every circle lately. And not only to Dodge. Mr. Dillon, you got an idea? Yeah, maybe. Come on, we'll ride back to Stanley's ranch. You think they came back here? I will soon find out. But from what we saw here before, I'll bet Stanley's not the kind to stay away from his ranch for very long. What? I'm hit the dirt. Behind the drop. Yeah. It's Jim Stanley. There's his horse. Yeah. All right, keep your eyes open. Stanley! Jim, it's Matt Dillon. Let me talk to you. You go away, Marshal. I don't want to hurt you, but I ain't going back to that jail. You go away now. I'll kill you. Jim, listen to me. I've got a witness. You better leave quick now. Please, Marshal. Mr. Dillon, I'm getting wet. It's better than getting shot. Keep your head down. Yes, you... Sure he is wet. Stanley's in a good position. Closest cover for us is the barn. That's across 50 yards of clearing. That's a long run. He could pick us off before we made 10 feet. Yeah. Jim! I'm not leaving until I've talked to you. Leave me alone, Marshal. Can't you leave me alone? I'm coming to talk to you, Jim. No! Mr. Dillon, don't do it. That's a crazy man. That's a frightened man, Chester. I'm coming unarmed, Jim. I don't think you're a murderer, but if you are, this is your chance. Well. Good, Good luck, Mr. Dillon. <gasps> Mr. Dillon! Stanley's shot sliced across my side like a branding iron. It was all I could do to ignore my fear and keep going. But somehow I reached the ranch house alive. And I opened the door. Jim Stanley stood there holding his gun. And crying. Jim. I, I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I, I was only trying to scare you. I'm not a killer. I, I never shot anybody in my life. Honest, Marshal, I can't even shoot a rabbit. I know that, Jim. I, I'm afraid. I've always been afraid of things. I try like be like other people, it only seems to bring trouble. You can stop being afraid of the law and jail right now. That's all over with. You, you mean that, Marshal? Really? Really. But, but I shot you. Did you? I don't recall. Oh, 
but Mr. Dillon, shot hit your side right, right there. You see it? It's bleeding. Now, Jim, listen to me. You didn't shoot me. Oh. Well, all right, if, if you say so, Mr. Dillon. I say so. Here, I'll take that rifle. Now, let's go back to town and get this business settled, huh? You've been good to me, Marshal. Forget it, Jim. There is one thing, though. Dixie. Oh, she brought me hacksaw blades. I know that. She said you were going to hang me and that, that I had to escape. She kept saying uh-huh. it. Oh. She was riding with you. Well, where is she now? Oh, she left me last night. I was glad. I was nearly wild listening to her talk about you and prison. I even swore I'd kill myself before I'd go back to jail. I'm glad you didn't mean it. Oh, I meant it at the time. Oh, I was sure scared. You feel better now? Oh, yeah. Yes, I know everything's just going to be fine. Ah, ah, ah. The rifle slug splashed the side of Jim's face with red and he crumpled into the dirt. From the water trough, Chester opened up and drew the fire of whoever was hiding in the hayloft of the barn. I could see a gun barrel poking out from the side of the hayloft. And I picked up Stanley's rifle. Mingo. Are you all right? Yeah, Chester. But Mingo's dead. Well, how about Jim Stanley, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, he was scared more than hurt. He should come to any minute. Well, my goodness. Oh, this looks like a sure enough war's been happening around here. Where have you been, Dixie? Oh, sure now, Marshal. A, a girl's got a right to look after her uh, investments. Uh, my Mingo and Stanley both dead. Well, now that's a real shame. Hmm? Oh, but Jim Stanley... Uh, Chester. A... You said investments... The only investment you've made is prison time for helping Jim escape. Me? Well, how are you going to prove anything, Marshal? With Jim dead. But he's... Chester, why don't you go look after the horses? But Mr. Dillon... Yes, sir? It's a right good thing because I'm going to be terribly busy, you know, taking care of poor Jim's ranch and money and... And, of course, the funeral and everything. Why should all that concern you, Dixie? Because I'm Jim Stanley's widow. What? I married him three days ago in this city. It was such a sweet wedding. Yeah, I'm sure it was. And now all I have left are some memories. And, of course, this little old ranch and Jim's money. Dixie, there's something you should know. Hmm? You also got a husband... Have you heard enough, Jim? Enough. Jim! When I saw you fall... You're... You're bad, Dixie. Oh, Jim, you you mustn't pay no mind to what I said. I, I was upset. Didn't I come back just to be with you? No good, Dixie. Jim's on to you now. Jim, are you going to let him talk to me like that? He's my friend. And I don't like you now, Dixie. Oh, that's too bad. I'm still your wife. Marshal, can she make that stick? 
Well, by law, you have to support her, Jim. Of course, I don't say how. Marshal, you stop putting ideas in... And, of course, she has to take care of your house for you, Jim. Clean it, do the chores, cook for you. Cook? Me? Cook for him? He can make you, Dixie. It's his right. All right, or not, I'd like to see him try. He can do it, Dixie. Yeah? Well, they can't if I'm not here. And I'm leaving right now. You want to ride into town with us, Jim? No. I think I'd rather stay here for a while, Marshal. If it's all right. Yeah, sure, sure. I'll fix it. But in a few days, when you feel like it, come in and see me, and we'll help you get that divorce taken care of. Divorce? On grounds of desertion. She just deserted you, remember? Chester and I are your witnesses. Oh. Well, thanks, Marshal. I sure do thank you. So long, Jim. Goodbye, Marshal. Bye. Come on, Chester, let's go. Uh, he's had it too rough out here on the frontier, hasn't he, Mr. Dillon? Uh, Jim Stanley, I mean. It's addled him, sort of. Yeah, I, I guess that's it, Chester. <clears throat> Men like him need looking after. Yeah, we got all kinds out here, Chester. Come on, let's get back to town. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Herb Purdom, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John Daner and Michael Ann Barrett, with Paul Dubov, Vivi Janice, and Bill Lally. Parley Bear is Chester. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke.